morning and welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten speaking to you from Ottawa, Canada. Each and every show, we uh, focus on the Torah portion, the Parashat Shavuah, the weekly reading that is offered in synagogues throughout the Jewish world. The Torah portion is offered on Monday, Thursday, and Shabbat, Saturday morning. And it is the entirety of the Torah portion is read on Shabbat. This week, our Torah portion is entitled Emor. It is from the third book of the Torah, the third book of the Pentateuch, known as Leviticus or Vayikra in Hebrew. Our parasha begins in Leviticus 21 and continues through Leviticus 24. Let me offer a uh, short synopsis of this very interesting parasha before we turn to our guest who will help us understand the nuanced meaning of the various episodes and laws that we find in the parasha. This week's parasha, as I said, Emor, begins with special laws pertaining to the Kohanim, the priests, the descendants of Aaron, and the Kohen Hagadol, the high priest, and delves into some of the aspects of the temple sacrificial cult. A Kohen may not become ritually impure through contact with a dead body, save on the occasion of the death of a close relative. A Kohen may not marry a divorcee or a woman with a questionable past. A high priest, a Kohen Gadol, can only marry a Betulah, a woman who has not had relations with another man. A Kohen with a physical deformity cannot serve in the Holy Temple, nor can a deformed animal be brought as an offering. This section of the Torah portion concludes with the Torah telling us that a newborn calf, lamb, or kid must be left with its mother for seven days before being eligible for an offering, and that one may not slaughter an animal and its offspring on the same day. The Torah portion takes a radical turn, leaving its discussion of the priesthood and the sacrificial cult to remind us of the festivals of the year. The festivals of the Jewish calendar are uh, re-numerated. We are told about the weekly Shabbat, the bringing of the Passover offering on the 14th day of Nisan. Then we are reminded about the seven-day Passover festival beginning on the 15th day of Nisan. We are then exposed to the commandment of bringing of the Omer, an offering from the first barley harvest on the second day of Passover, and the commencement on the 49th day uh, of the counting of the Omer, culminating in the festival of Shavuot on the 50th day. We are also told about the remembrance of the Shofar blowing, known today as Yom Rosh Hashanah, on the first of Tishrei, 
We are told about a solemn fast day on the 10th of Tishrei, Yom Kippur as it's popularly known, and the Sukkot festival, during which we are to dwell in huts for seven days and take the four species as they are enumerated in the Torah, beginning on the 15th day of Tishrei, uh, just a few days after Yom Kippur. And immediately following uh, the holiday of Sukkot, on the eighth day is Shmini Atzeret, a sacred gathering. The Torah portion then tells us about the lighting of the menorah in the temple, and also tells us about the lechem hapanim, the showbread, placed weekly on the table there. The Torah portion concludes with the incident of a man executed for blasphemy and the penalties of murder and death for injuring one's fellow human being or for destroying property. This is an all-inclusive Torah portion which reminds us of the complete nature of the Israelites' relationship with God through that which is the sacred, that which is the mundane, and that which is um, part and parcel of everyday life. With me this morning to help unpack this Torah portion is Rabbi Menachem Bloom, the founder and rabbi of the Ottawa Torah Center, I want to welcome him back to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. Good morning, Rabbi Bloom. Good morning. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here again. Well, it is always a pleasure to learn with you. Um, this week's Torah portion has so many interesting facets that it's hard to know where to begin. But inasmuch as we are in the time period between Passover and Shavuot, it does make sense to speak about the Omer. So let's talk about the Omer. The Torah portion speaks of a first barley harvest, um, counting on the second day of Passover, although it's not uh, spoken of in the Torah as the second day of Passover. Um, what is the Omer? And how do we understand why we count from Passover to the festival of Shavuot? So let's begin with the uh, with the counting. Uh, and and as you said, it is appropriate because we are doing the counting of the Omer. Um, so a little bit to put it in, in uh, historical context, uh, the Jewish people uh, were taken out of Egypt. Um, a nation of slaves are finally free and uh, they cross the sea and they're, they're, they're traveling in the desert. They were told that uh, God is taking them out of Egypt in order to enter into a relationship with them, uh, to enter into a covenant um, by receiving the Torah at Mount Sinai uh, 49 days after the Exodus. And so they started counting the days as anybody who's excited before uh, their wedding, before a vacation, uh, whatever it may be, an exciting time that's coming uh, in anticipation of that time, we're counting the days. And so the Jewish people started counting 
to 49 days from the Exodus until they finally made it to uh, Mount Sinai where they experienced the revelation, heard the Ten Commandments, and received the Torah. The counting is not just counting the days. There is a deeper element into the count. You see, the, the, the Jewish people were in Egypt for so many years and were really assimilated into Egyptian culture and uh, needed to prepare uh, spiritually, emotionally, mentally uh, to be able to receive the Torah, to enter into this relationship with God. And while, while um, God took the Jewish people out of Egypt, uh, the Egypt needed to be taken out of the Jew. And uh, they do that through this process of the Omer, which is counting the 49 days. More than counting the days, it's really making the days count and uh, really engaging in introspection and preparing themselves spiritually to be able to, to experience that revelation. Shavuot, of course, is the um, festival um, that today we acknowledge as the festival in which Jews uh, receive the Ten Commandments. And there are a number of traditions associated with Shavuot. But during these 50 days, are there traditions, um, in addition to counting, that um, Jews may participate in in order to prepare themselves for receiving the Torah? Yes. Um, and and um, this, this, let's go back a moment into the word counting. You know, the word counting in, in uh, Hebrew is sfirah. Sfirah means counting, but sfirah also means to shine. Uh, it comes from the word sapir, a sapphire, a, a precious stone that shines. And so the idea of introspection is really that we use this time period between Passover and Shavuot, even today as we count again, because it is one of the commandments that we should count every day between Passover and Shavuot. We also use that time uh, to better ourselves, to look into our character traits and to see what requires uh, improvement. In fact, um, there is, Kabbalistically speaking, uh, the number seven, and we're counting seven weeks, um, so we're, we're counting seven times seven. It's the complete cycle of the emotional makeup, of the makeup of a person's character traits. And every week we engage in contemplation and in, in, in improving a certain character trait. So one of the rituals for this time is to uh, focus on one particular character trait every single day. Uh, and it is part of the prayers that we read when we count the Omer. Uh, there is a prayer where we focus on that particular character trait um, to better ourselves and to become better people. So you alluded to the fact that this notion of using the time to um, shine, 
our character traits to their brightest um, is mostly found in the mystical tradition. Um, for those Jews who are not part of the mystical tradition, they would still count the Omer. And there would be a prayer that they would offer each day to say, this is the sixth, the eighth, the 15th day of the Omer, um, anticipating and heightening the um, anticipation of receiving uh, the Ten Commandments at Sinai. Um, how did we make the transition from what the Torah in this week's parasha seems to indicate um, that it is an agricultural festival to a festival of such intense spirituality? Was it only through mystical interpretation? So, so the truth is that, um, first of all, the mystical interpretation is part and parcel of Torah. It's the deeper element of Torah. But what's interesting about this ritual is that even in, in Jewish circles where uh, the mystical side is not necessarily a focus, when it comes to the counting of the Omer, uh, you will find everyone mentioning that particular uh, character traits in the prayer. Uh, but there is another ritual that we do between Passover and Shavuot, and that is the study of the ethics of our fathers every Shabbat. The ethics of our fathers is a section in the Mishnah, in the Talmud, uh, that has guidance to living a more ethical uh, and moral life. And every week of those, uh, every Shabbat, every uh, Saturday, during the counting of the Omer, we study one chapter. So even if we're not into the mystical tradition, um, this concept of using this time uh, to shine, as you said, and to prepare uh, is, is quite universal. I, I just want to clarify for some of our listeners. So Rabbi Bloom refers to um, a number of terms which some of you may be unfamiliar with. Talmud is uh, a collection of rabbinic statements that are um, both legal and homiletical as they uh, serve to expand upon the interpretation and explicate the meaning of Torah. Um, from an academic perspective, um, people believe that um, this uh, large volume was written and collated uh, between the 2nd and 6th century of the Common Era, um, but traditional Jews believe that it was a parallel text handed to Moses on Mount Sinai, and while the Ten Commandments were revealed on Mount Sinai, the uh, Talmud, uh, made up of the Gomorrah and the Mishnah, weren't revealed to the Jewish people until a later time. Pirkei Avot, the ethics of our ancestors, ethics of our fathers, is one small section of Mishnah, which is a collection of um, character-building statements. And it's that section that is read um, during the um, 50 days 
of the counting of the Omer between Passover and Shavuot, as it tends to intensify one's understanding of what it means to have a more intense relationship with the divine. Well said. Thank you. Um, and thank you for introducing it. Um, you know, this section of our Torah portion speaks about um, the festivals. And the Hebrew word for festivals or times of the year um, is uh, moadim. Um, that's how the Torah refers to the festivals, Elah moadim or Moade Adonai. Um, and it's an interesting notion. Um, it doesn't say zman, time, or zmanim. Um, and moed is understood to refer to time or a time in the calendar. And it um, is a word similar to the word that we find throughout the book of Exodus, uh, referring to the ol moed. And I'm wondering if you can explain to our listeners um, whether there's any connection between the Ohel Moed, which can be translated as perhaps a tabernacle, or perhaps you have a better translation, and the Hebrew term for the festivals meaning Moadim. Good. It's very much the two terms, the, the use of the term, um, we see that we're using the same term to describe a specific time or to describe a specific place. So the Oel Moed was the, as it's sometimes translated as the tent of meeting, which is the place where um, God would speak to Moses, um, was a place that allowed for that uh, uh, connection, revealed conversation between God and man. The holidays, the festivals, um, this is really what they are. They are a time for meeting. It's a time that is designated uh, for man to connect with God, for man to connect with their their history, their culture, uh, and, and, and that is done through the observance of the rituals that are associated with the specific holidays. Um, but it's a time that has, and again, I'm going to go back to my, you know, uh, mystical appreciation. Uh, time, we could look at time as just cyclical, you know, where just time is just going. Um, from a, a, a spiritual standpoint, every time is charged with certain, with certain energies. And the Moadim, the holidays, the festivals, these are times that are charged with certain energies that by recounting what happened, by observing the festivals, uh, we are able to tap into that energy. I'll give you an example. Uh, Passover. Passover uh, is what happened, the Exodus happened on that particular day. The energy of that festival, the energy of that day, is an energy of redemption, an energy of faith, because the people just left Egypt not knowing where they were going. They followed with complete faith, and hence we eat the matzah, the bread of faith, uh, and so on. When we celebrate Passover, 
the energy of the date of Passover allows us the opportunity to become liberated people, to liberate ourselves from everything that is uh, trapping us, that is not allowing us to actualize ourselves. And it's a time when we eat the matzah, which is called the bread of faith, to nurture our soul with the type of faith that our ancestors had as they were leaving Egypt. So when we talk about Moed, we're talking about a designated something. It's a designated time. It could also be a designated space. And hence, the Oel Moed was that space that allowed for that conversation. But interestingly enough, since the destruction of the Second Temple um, in 70 of the Common Era, um, time has become more significant than place for the Jewish people. Um, it um, doesn't matter uh, what our synagogues look like or where our synagogues are, and one could um, offer uh, words of prayer even um, not in a building designated for that, although we're not necessarily a people who climb to the highest mountain um, to search for that. Um, so time seems to be more significant, the Moadim. Yeah, true. Although I have to say, I mean, there is still um, something about praying in Jerusalem, ah. praying at the wall. There is still that designated space. Um, which is interesting because when you look through the Bible, through the Torah, uh, it doesn't actually mention Jerusalem openly. It talks about the place that God chose. Uh, and, and, and here again, choosing that particular place that opens the door between heaven and earth. Uh, in fact, it is said that all of our prayers from anywhere in the world actually go through Temple Mount before ascending uh, on high. So uh, you're correct in the fact that uh, it seems that uh, time has taken a, a more of an importance now that we don't have the temple, but the importance of the place has not disappeared completely because there is something about being at the Kotel at the Western Wall. Right. Um, you're correct. The Kotel the last remaining uh, physical reminder of um, the Temple Mount. Um, that wall was not a wall of the uh, temple per se, but of the, um, the mount that surrounded it, um, is the focus for many, many people. Um, and as you well know, um, people who make a journey to Jerusalem often place a little note in the cracks in the wall, hoping that that is a direct line mm -hmm. uh, to uh, the divine. Um, I never know what happens to all of those notes and how after, um, since 1967, there's any room left um, unless you get a ladder to go to the uppermost part of the wall. Right. Um, so we've talked about 
Um, the Moadim, and specifically, we've talked about the Omer. Um, and I wanted to ask you, in the time that's left, um, do you have a thought about why this Torah portion then um, repeats the commandment about lighting the menorah in the temple at this moment in the Torah itself? Um, while um, none of the um, festivals, uh, all of the festivals have been spoken of before, um, both in specifics and in generalities. Um, here we have a discussion of the lighting of the menorah and the uh, lechem hapanim. Is there a connection that we know of between this and the moadim, or is it just another reminder of uh, Jewish obligation? Well, for the when we talk about the uh, the lechem apanim, the showbread, it is uh, very much connected with uh, Shabbat, um, as the showbread was uh, put on the table, you know, on Friday before before the Sabbath. So there is definitely a connection there. Um, in terms of lighting the menorah, a connection that I could come up with, and maybe that will bring a, our conversation full circle. Um, we are told that the menorah symbolizes the uh, Jewish people. The menorah has become uh, the symbol of the Jewish people, even in, in, in the modern states. Uh, it is the symbolism of Israel. And uh, the reason why it symbolizes the Jewish people is because although the menorah was made from one solid piece of gold, there are different branches that come out from different sides. But the common denominator is that each branch shines. Each branch brings light and, and illuminates the world. And so if we go back to our conversation about the Omer, uh, the Omer is is uh, a, a time when we focus inward about uh, improving our character, uh, which is a very personal exercise. The menorah reminds us that we are also here. We don't live in a vacuum. We are here to bring light to others. And hopefully the working on ourselves will allow us to become uh, better uh, lanterns to brighten the world around us. And I think that is a perfect place to end. My guest this morning has been Rabbi Menachem Bloom, the founder of the Ottawa uh, Torah Center. And I want to thank him for joining us and sharing with us his wisdom. Um, you can hear a uh, our conversation on CHRI 99.1 or as a podcast on the website, chri.ca, or on iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. For Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts, I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten, wishing you shalom and a good day. <laughs>